1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Welcome back, folks. Guy Williams, President, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust, joins us as he does every Monday at this hour, and we appreciate that. Uh, Guy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. So, Guy, I was reading over the weekend, Moody's changes its outlook on U.S. ratings to negative. What's the net impact of that?
3: Well, in the short run, nothing. But what what Moody's is doing is joining an increasing chorus of people saying, Democrats, Republicans, Americans, we have to make some changes. They're not going to be pleasant. And right now, we're not seeing any seriousness on either side to address the problem. And the problem is during COVID, a lot of spending occurred and that's to be expected. There's a crisis, you spend money to stimulate the economy. But the other part of the problem is some of the spending was set in place as permanent spending. And the result is the trajectory for US debt is now sustained deficits above a trillion dollars a year. And there's several follow on problems uh, the first is most U.S. debt has shorter maturities, and for reasons of their own, the U.S. Treasury chose to shorten the maturities of U.S. debt when rates were super low. Now, you, know, you and I talked about why in the world wouldn't we issue long bonds when rates were in the you know, ones and twos, but the Treasury said, no, they wanted to go short. The problem is all those bonds are going to have to be refinanced over the next couple of years. So if the Fed keeps their lo- higher for longer, interest cost is going to skyrocket and interest alone will be more than uh, the whole defense budget and growing. And that's it's a compounding problem. So the second problem is Social Security runs out of money. You know, it's eight years. Next year will be seven years and. No one expects that to occur, but if it, in order for it not to run out of money, significant new borrowing is going to have to occur or higher taxes or smaller benefits. None of those are pleasant. So Moody's is saying, folks, this is like an avalanche coming down the hill, and your house is at the bottom of the hill. We've got to do something, and both sides are saying, yeah, that's fine, but it's not going to come during this term of office or this congressional year. So- Let's ignore it.
2: So, is it fair to say that the Hail Mary is 80,000 IRS agents?
3: <laughs> That's part of it. And, you no, know, one of the challenges with adding agents is uh, there are for sure some people that aren't paying the amount of tax they should. But with the first agent you hire, they're going to go after the biggest target, whoever whoever is most obviously not paying taxes and the second agent and the third will go after people that are not paying taxes after after you get through with a certain number of folks that aren't paying there aren't many left and there aren't big dollars left but the other thing is the rest of the people that aren't paying taxes will see oh wait there's enforcement and they'll you know they'll they'll quit but I don't think there's enough money in people not paying taxes to uh, justify the cost. One of the things that scared me a little bit was when they announced we, we're going to collect hundreds of millions of dollars of extra tax. And that sounds big, except we're spending $87 billion on new agents. So, wait, if you're spending 87 to collect hundreds – Something's wrong with that. This will actually make the deficit worse, not better. And I think there's certainly room for improvement at the IRS. They need to be able to answer the phones more quickly, provide, uh, you know, information to uh, tax payers and tax care providers on a reasonable basis. But I think the amount was too much. And the Hail Mary, I just don't see that happening.
2: How many workers in this country are actually maybe this is going to be an unfair question but nothing you surprise me all the time you may know if you're thinking in percentages how many people are actually w-2 employees i mean if you're a w-2 employee you have like little or nothing you can write off right um so i mean there's not much juice there right
3: yeah, and it's not about number of people. Most the vast majority of Americans are W2 employees, probably pushing in the 80s to you know, low low 90s. The people that aren't W2 are the uh sole proprietors and most small businesses don't make a ton of money. And then what the the sort of mythical target is the billionaires, the George Soroses, the uh you know, Bill Gates, but those guys have super sophisticated tax advisors and attorneys, and I would be very surprised if any of the really big guys that are, uh, you know, in the news are evading taxes. I think they may be using strategies to reduce their taxes. And, you know, Jeff Bezos said he moved to Florida and it wasn't about the uh, zero income tax. That had nothing to do with it. He just remembered fondly his years as as a child growing up in Miami. That's legal. So I don't I don't think there's as much money there as people think. It's always tempting to say we're going to get tax revenue from somebody that's not us, not you, not me, the guy behind so, the tree.
2: So, Guy, where's the juice that's worth That's worth the eighty thousand 80, agent squeeze.
3: I think it's I don't think it's there. I think it's too many agents. It's uh, it's throwing a number that's irrational. You know, probably 10, 000, 20 might have been more than enough. And the the challenge is you're gonna rapidly get into just normal middle income people because with that many agents, you're rapidly gonna run out of billionaires to audit. And so then you get into the normal guy, the corner grocery, and you know, just the regular wage earner and there's not that money, mon, much money there as you say you know if you do have a 1099 the government already knows what you make so yeah. i think we i think we've misplaced our priorities there so
2: so where do where does this administration go then i mean cuz they they're they're attempting to justify that more spending is needed right um there's no question there are needs out there uh the question is can we afford it um You know, we we have a lot of folks coming into this country right now. We're, We're pumping out a lot of money there, over 40 million living under the federally identified poverty level. So the only thing left on the table, as I see it, you correct me if I'm wrong, is going to be significant tax increases. It's going to have to be on the revenue side for government. Because um, there seems to be this unwillingness to cut ourselves, and I don't know that we could cut ourselves to prosperity anyway. Um, am I all wet here?
3: No, and the real challenge, and this is something that people have a hard time understanding. So, so I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm going to go over it slowly, but I will go over it slowly because it's an important concept. The GDP measures everything we do in America. It's the total amount of goods and services. The federal government's take, the amount of tax revenue that the government's taken out of the economy has never been higher than 20% of GDP. World War II, we're fighting literally for democracy and for freedom around the world. It touched high 19s, never touched 20. Vietnam War didn't touch twenty you know, the booms, the bust. So federal revenue doesn't go over 20. It hasn't gone over 20 since World War II, hasn't gone over, just hasn't gone over 20 when uh, you had the Obama tax increases, didn't go above 20 when you had the, uh, you know, George Bush, read my lips, no new taxes, and he had to compromise and raise taxes. So the thought that we can raise taxes and solve the problem is probably not accurate, and the challenge is, well, wait a minute, how, how can that be true? There were, there were times when the marginal tax rate was 90%. The highest wage earners would pay a 90% rate, and there have been times when it's been 33%. So it seems like 20 is a natural speed limit, sort of like a law of gravity in the U.S. economy, that people adjust behavior. And if that's the case, and it has been the case for 80 years, then raising taxes is not going to solve the problem. You're going to have to do something on the spending side. Now, people will logically say, well, there is a way to get above 20, and and they are accurate, but the way to get above 20 is a national sales tax, which is deeply regressive. Everybody hates it left, right, and center. Very unlikely to pass but absent a sales tax you don't get above 20%. If we didn't get above 20 in World War II, Korea, you know, the Vietnam War, raising taxes is not going to solve the problem. And that's the challenge the our legislators face because on the on the left side you always say, well, let's raise taxes some more. The right side, well, let's cut taxes. In this case, we're collecting about 20. It may not be that we can raise much more tax revenue without a sales tax.
2: Got a text here that says you're missing it, Guy, that the new Which, agents are to, are, to, are to collect the FICA taxes on gig transactions, nothing to do with income. It's the FICA money at 14% off the top.
3: Okay, that's, that's an interesting statement. The FICA money goes to uh, Social Security. That's a federal income tax that goes to the uh, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security fund. Uh, The gig economy runs through big platforms, runs through Uber, runs through platforms like that. And those transactions are reported already. There's not enough money in the gig economy to make a difference. And most gig workers are not rich; <clears throat> they're at the low end of the wage scale, so they're paying very little in taxes. Now, certainly, some of the—if some of them are not reporting their income for Social Security—that would—that would help Social Security. But it's nowhere near enough to solve the problem.
2: Well, it would also help income tax. But it, your point is well taken. There's just it, there's not enough juice there, right? Again. Yeah.
3: Where's the juice and we have that's, steep, worth the, that's worth the squeeze? And Yeah, and we have a steeply progressive income tax system. You know, if you're at the lower end of income, you pay a very low income tax rate. So, you know, the, our Uber drivers are just not getting rich. These are hardworking folks that are supplementing their income typically, but they're not in the high income bracket based on driving for Uber or DoorDash or any of
2: these other gig I, I've, employment I've opportunities. I've the number. I forgot the number, but if you make less than
3: X, you pay no income taxes at all, right? Yeah, we have a very steeply progressive curve, so you know we're just not taxing the gig people is just not going to get us there, yeah. and it's not really what it's just not enough money to make make it work. Yeah, all
2: right, we got to get to a break. Uh, we'll be right back. We're visiting with Guy Williams, President, of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Stay with
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today.
2: There seems to be no product out there that is free from being scammed. And the most recent case is one that is around this mysterious disappearance of Japanese Kit Kat candies. Flavors like melon, matcha latte, dafuku mochi, never heard of it, and a whole lot more. Guy Williams is going to fill us in and tell us about this scenario, Guy. What's up with the Kit Kats? Yeah,
3: yeah it's an interesting situation. We're, we're always interested in new frauds, and this one is what's called targeted stealing, where thieves will target a shipment of something they particularly want. Same, same thing happened in France with the shipment of champagne. French police were all over it and uh, captured the crooks. We weren't so lucky here. So Kit Kats were invented in England in 1935, uh, became very popular in the U.S., but they're incredibly popular in chi- in Japan. They're the most popular chi- uh, candy in Japan, and in Japan, they have a number of flavors we don't have, and, you know, the, it's sort of an intriguing thing that, uh, you know, each country has their own flavors, but it makes sense, so... You know, in Japan, you can get, um, you know, flavors like orange coffee, melon, strawberry cheesecake, apple cinnamon, pistachio, all these mocha, mocholati. And what people do is import Japanese Kit Kat bars and then resell them to American consumers. And one of the reasons they do is their flavors you can't get. The other is there have been some international taste tests. And a lot of the uh, connoisseurs think the Japanese Kit Kats taste better than the American ones. So maybe that's true, maybe it's not, but it's all a matter of taste. So an importer imported two containerfuls of Kit Kats, all these unique flavors, you know, the apple flavor, the uh, pistachio flavor. And unfortunately, when he tried to ship them, a scammer, a guy named Tristan, who ultimately confessed that he was scamming, put his name in to the load board, picked up both containers of Kit Kats, and disappeared. Now, the poor importer started looking around trying to find it and ultimately located one of the uh, containers in a storage yard in California. And then, of course, the... uh, The problem then became, okay, how do you pay the storage fees? How do you prove that you really own the Kit Kats? Have they been refrigerated the whole time so they're not bad? And another container was picked up after Tristan the scammer picked it up by a second scammer named Manny and just completely disappeared. So there's one container completely missing, one container in California in a storage yard, and going through the legal challenges of getting it back And people that like Japanese Kit Kats are having to struggle right now. So if you're looking for a sweet potato, wasabi, or red bean Kit Kats, in addition to the flavors you already mentioned, you're out of luck right now.
2: (laughs) These things never cease to amaze me, the lengths that they'll go to in order to accomplish the theft of these goods. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah.
3: It's interesting because the crooks are, are clever and they have nothing to do but be crooks. So they look around and they say, okay, what, what's a hot item? And, and I mean, who knew that Japanese Kit Kats were a hot item? I, had, I didn't know that there was a melon flavored Kit Kat, but there's no is. idea. And,
2: had no idea at all. Let's pivot. Don't hear much about uh, non fungible tokens, NFTs. What's going on there?
3: Well, there, there's a reason. Uh, The NFT market absolutely exploded. And for people that are thinking, what the heck is an NFT? What it means is non-fungible token. And people are still thinking, well, what does that mean? What it means is an electronic piece of art is created. You have your name permanently attached through the blockchain as the owner of that electronic piece of art. But what's interesting is, you actually don't have a copyright. You can't sell copies of it and make money. Anyone else on the internet can see the electronic art. Anyone else can download it and copy it. And only the artist can uh, make money from it. But what you have is digital ownership. And you think, well, what does that mean and how valuable is it? It, it reminds me of when we were little and they had the uh, concept of you could have a star named after you and you'd Pay a certain amount and have star registry, and so you'd have a Guy Williams or a Newell Norman star. And out of all the billions of stars, you would we'd each have one. Well, what is that worth? And people really got enthused about this. Justin Bieber went crazy, and uh, you know, spent millions on these non-fungible tokens. Jimmy Fallon, Paris Hilton, uh, prices got into the millions, and there were. There's a particular one called a Bored Ape Yacht Club, where people are buying these pictures of basically a, a bored ape, looked like it was drawn by a, a 12-year-old, and paying hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Well, what's happened is now, sort of like the Beanie Baby craze, people woke up and realized, these aren't really anything. There's no value to them, and the market has absolutely collapsed. And if you remember, you and I talked about this probably a year and a half ago and warned people. several times. Said yeah, I said, guys, you're not ladies. You're not. You don't own anything. Don't. Don't do it unless you just are putting trivial money in it. But, um, you know, people have fallen for this, and you know it really is unfortunate because some of these things have gone to a value of absolutely zero, which is about what they're worth. I mean. If you look at the uh, marketplace for non-fungible tokens, 69,000 out of the 73,000 marketed tokens have a value of zero. So whatever you paid for it, there's really nothing there, and there never was. I mean, it was. I I remember you and I talked about a yacht somebody sold on, you know, a digital billboard, and the yacht was like 250,000. You could buy a real boat for that, that you could go sit on, that you could take friends out, go fishing. But somebody paid over 250000 for a digital boat. Crazy. <laughs> I mean <Yeah>. – <clears throat> I guess you don't have to insure it, so that's a, that's a I, positive. I mean – Son of a gun. I think most
2: people saw this coming, but it, it didn't seem to matter. It was in vogue, and we were just doing it. Actually, well, there were people that made money off of it because they were – they bought it, they sold it for more than they bought it for. I mean it was crazy.
3: Yeah, and I think that was the, the whole key. I mean, one poor guy bought this digital bumblebee for a million dollars and now they're trading for fifteen. I mean, talk about putting your money in the street and setting it on fire. Yeah. And I think exactly. some of it was the celebrity factor. You know, you can say Justin Bieber deserved it and Paris Hilton, Jimmy Fallon, but their celebrity status made people think that it was the thing to do. And it, and it really wasn't. It, it was never a good investment.
2: Yeah, that that status does not always equate to uh, common sense or knowing um, anything about financial investments, for sure.
3: Well, let's and, talk. And you also have to think: Do you really want to get financial advice from Justin Bieber and Paris Hilton? I mean, if you had money to invest, you inherited it, you sold a business. Uh, Justin, you know, tell me what you think about where I should invest. What? How, how should I handle the taxes and you know really? No they're, wow. they're real professionals that do that for a living. yep not celebrities And they're
2: professionals on their staff that do that for a living so you know. so let's pivot oh, yeah. the we've talked about this before, but things seem to be getting ickier uh, the Chinese real estate disaster.
3: Yeah, this is, this is really a mess, and it is a bigger problem than uh, China wants to admit. And the problem in China is that Chinese do not have the options that we have in America. I mean, people complain about Wall Street, and, and there's some things that can be straightened out and improved on Wall Street. But one of the things Wall Street does is anything you want to invest in, you can invest in through a broker, And hopefully you get a good financial planner, a good broker. But if you want to invest in common stock, if you want to invest in bonds, if you want to invest in commodities, if you want to invest in oil and gas, you can do it through the U.S. financial system. It's a phenomenally efficient system. China doesn't have that option. Chinese citizens don't have the wealth of options that we have. And one of the reasons is the government wants to control people's finances. One of the few options that people had to invest was buying real estate. And so folks, absent anything else, bought a tremendous amount of real estate, and the overhang has become significant. And CNN reported recently that there are, at this moment, more apartments available than the entire population of China. So I'm going to repeat that because I read it had to read it twice because it didn't make sense. It's like there are more apartments available and under construction at this moment in China than the entire population. So talk about solve a homeless problem. You could solve it for a lot of countries with the excess housing inventory in China. So what's happening now is prices are collapsing. uh, Development companies are going broke. And the government is extremely upset because the deal that the government has made implicitly with the people is we're going to let you get rich and you're going to let us run the country. So you're not going to have any political freedom, but you're going to have the freedom to make money. And the Chinese citizenry is now saying, wait a minute, we're not making money. In fact, we're losing money. We've invested our money in real estate and apartments and Some of them aren't even built yet, and we've already paid for them. Some of them we have debt on that they're not delivered. And even if they are delivered, the prices are collapsing. So it really is a tremendous problem for China, and it gets worse because we have 30-year mortgages. And you can be upset about your 30-year mortgage, but you can refinance. In China, real estate mortgages are annual adjustable, so you're subject to market rates every year. And so China's now in a situation where they're having to push their interest rates down because people are really distressed at having their real estate values go down and the apartments not be delivered.
2: And unfortunately, this does come back to the United States, right? Because a lot of there – there is some U.S. investment in, in some of this development. There. there
3: is. And, you know, we, we, we thought – and I, look, I was – I said, if we could get China connected to the rest of the world, get the exchanges involved where you could invest in different countries, Chinese could invest here, we could invest there, it would promote stability. It was pretty much a one-way street. Chinese sold bonds, and you could actually invest in some of these uh, Chinese property development companies. But the Chinese property development companies are all going down the drain. So if you had a a foreign bond in uh, Country Garden or Evergrande, those aren't being paid right now. So foreigners lost money, and most of those foreigners tended to be people in the U.S. that wanted to diversify their investments. And, you know, they kept reading about how the Chinese property market was going up. There was high demand. But Absent good figures, they didn't realize that uh, the Chinese market was going up, but it was an absolute bubble that had to burst. So where's
2: the correction going to be? Typically, when, when the Chinese correct, it doesn't bode well for the U.S.
3: No, there's several things that are going to happen. One, uh, there's a big Chinese company called China Vanke, which is uh, one of the big developers. It's effectively going to become a state-owned business. So the uh, government is going to inject cash so that the apartments get finished, but that's going to make the problem worse because then there will be more apartments that aren't needed. And remember, China's population is shrinking now. So you have a shrinking population, no immigration, more apartments than you have than you need by a tremendous margin, a margin of about 100%. China is going to want to push interest rates down so that people will not be so agitated about paying adjustable mortgages on property that's declining in value. When China pushes property interest rates down, the yuan goes down in value, uh, Chinese imports become cheaper for us. So it really affects uh, the rest of the world in that China, which was the, uh, the cheapest producer, becomes cheaper still now they're doing it by impoverishing their own people but you know if you're if you're a manufacturer competing with the chinese that doesn't make you feel any better because they're they're doing something that's irrational and it's been well said that the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent so it's going to push up, push the yuan down make chinese exports cheaper to buy in the US make china poorer as a country And it it always makes people nervous when you see a big country that has a declining population uh, beginning to have uh, financial pressures and problems, and you wonder, okay, what what might they do to get out of it?
2: Yeah, that's that's why I asked the question. It, it, It typically does not bode well for us in the end.
3: Yeah, I mean, one of the things we've talked about before that China does is they absolutely ignore the sanctions. They've ignored the sanctions against right. Iran, which is funding terror all over the Middle East. They've ignored the sanctions against Russia, which invaded a sovereign country. They've ignored the sanctions against North Korea, which operates basically a prison camp instead of a country. So, you know, China's involved in lot, with lots of bad actors around the world, and You know, they're still funding coal plants. If you care about the environment and CO2 emissions, they're funding coal plants around the world. Now, they're doing some environmental things in their own cities to reduce their pollution, but the world's round. So if you finance lots of coal in other countries, you're not improving the environment. You're just making it a little cleaner in your cities, but but dirtier for the globe as a whole. No doubt. Got to get to a
2: break. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
0: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Guy, the treasury markets, um, they're in turmoil as well, right?
3: Oh, yeah. We're... The Treasury market is a, the biggest market in the world, and it's facing a tremendous problem. And the problem is this. There's now $33 trillion of U.S. debt. We're adding a trillion-plus every year. And the interest rate, the average rate, if you look at all the Treasuries, is 2.9%. But the problem is 50% of those uh, bonds will refinance over the next three years right and that means they'll be refinanced at rates closer to five percent and interest rates the just the interest alone is going to really start squeezing out other things and as the market begins to look at this they're realizing you know that there's not going to be room for everything else and you know we talked about tax rates you know the the tax rate for the first twenty-two thousand of taxable income is ten percent, but there's a standard deduction of twenty-seven thousand. So it's only above twenty-seven thousand that you start paying any tax at all for a married couple, and it's ten percent on the first twenty-two thousand after the twenty-seven. So that's forty-nine thousand. So the idea of the uh, you know the average American being able to pay this just doesn't work. And that's what's making the markets very nervous. They're looking at this impending uh, interest rate increase and deficits getting bigger and bigger every year.
2: So when we think about um, inflation, uh, obviously this doesn't bode well either, right? uh, It helps contribute to higher inflation.
3: It does, and – the the danger is that we get stuck in the worst of all worlds, which is stagflation, where the economy slows down because rates are higher. Uh, you know the you know tax rates go up, people start doing more things to avoid paying taxes and and re, re, sort of reorganizing their lives to avoid high taxes, and yet inflation comes back. And, you know, that really is a a very difficult situation. That's when you have the misery index of inflation plus plus unemployment. And the fear is that because both parties are are refusing to address this and there's equal blame on both sides, there's not an optimistic solution in the short run. Now, people have asked me, they say, well, when when will it change? It'll change when it's more painful politically to do nothing than to f- solve the problem. Right yeah. now, it's still more painful to solve the problem than to do nothing. So look, your elected officials respond to votes, to polls, and they're seeing, look, it, there's not an appetite for reducing spending. There's not a, an appetite for getting rid of some of the deductions. And one of the, one of the ways to, to push the, uh, the receipts up is to uh, cut back on deductions. In fact, there's the opposite. You know, our friends on uh, Team D want to get rid of the uh, reduction, the, uh, the maximum deduction amount for state and local taxes because, you know, taxes tend to be a little higher in uh, coastal communities. Well, that would make the deficit worse and would primarily benefit uh, wealthier taxpayers. So this lack of seriousness is what is making Moody's downgrade U.S. debt. It's what makes the markets jumpy. And it couldn't come at a worse time. I mean, my goodness, with turmoil in the Middle East, we have an ongoing war in Ukraine. We have uh, China, which is struggling with their own problems and, you know, sort of flailing around trying to figure out what to do. So it, it would help if we, we got our, our house in order. Absolutely.
2: Guy, thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate your insight and your time, and you certainly bring context to a whole lot of issues for us, and we appreciate that as well. Have a great week. No, great to be with you. You too. All righty, folks, that's Guy Williams, president, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We'll be right back after the break. Stay with us. Is it a manic Monday? Scoot's going to let us know. What do we have coming up? Yeah, it is. Listen, I thought we'd give the Mayor Cantrell a call. Do you know the area code for Kenya? No, I, don't. I mean, seriously. I mean, okay. Anyway, we'll talk a little bit about the Saints and the Vikings, LSU and Tulane. Nichols uh, had a big win, and uh, yeah, it's going to rain. Did you forget you how go. to drive in the rain, or did you ever really know how to? We'll talk about that. All right, scoots up next. Stay tuned.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com
4: for more details. Hyundai.